From COK Studios in Guy Raz's garage, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider why highly educated people are more socially and politically liberal. We'll also consider the science behind the voice of one of rock music's greatest singers in our Consider the Sound series. And we'll consider when we're going to do a crossover episode with the Flintstones. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from Capital One's Woman Card. Find out if you're pre-qualified for the card to receive 70 cents on the dollar for doing the same job as a man. And earn bonus points that you can only redeem at the grocery store with a note from your husband. The Woman Card. It sounds good, but it kinda sucks. And ZoomTripTravelBot.com. Now offering fantasy getaway packages to Westeros, Narnia, and the Shire. ZoomTripTravelBot.com. Tell them Frodo sent you. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. It's well documented that attending college makes people more liberal. A new report by the Pew Research Center shows that the most educated Americans have actually grown more liberal over the past couple of decades. Today, more than half of Americans who went to graduate school identify as liberal, while less than one in three did in 1994. Why is this trend seeing such a large uptick? A variety of factors seem to be creating more liberal college graduates, including using college to reinforce previously held beliefs, as well as the number of women getting degrees. Joining us to discuss this trend are Harvard's Associate Dean of Students, Dr. Stephen Gordon, who helped with the Pew Report, and COK's gossip reporter and soon-to-be college student, Melissa Reynolds. Glad to have you both with us. Hello. Hey! Stephen, I'd like to begin with you. It's always been pretty well known that colleges create more liberal thinkers, but what has happened in the past 20 years to make graduates even more liberal? There's always been good evidence that going to college leads people to have more liberal attitudes on social issues, in particular on issues of tolerance and issues of gender equity. There are all sorts of reasons why this might be happening, but a key factor is that people are becoming more polarized because of attitudes towards government. In addition to liberals becoming more liberal, we're also seeing conservatives shift further to the right. I see. If you're already pretty liberal, college will likely shift you further that way. There's also growing numbers of women going to college and getting advanced degrees. Women also tend to vote for Democrats more than men. So as the population of highly educated people grows more female, that will push it to the left as well. Melissa, have you noticed a shift as you've begun touring colleges ahead of your senior year? Oh, totes. I've been touring a ton of colleges lately, Dinah, and they're all pretty liberal. I mean, I saw like a crap load of Bernie Sanders propaganda and junk all over the schools I've been touring. I did an overnight stay last month with this girl, Henna, at Wesleyan, and she was up late reading the Communist Manifesto while she drank absinthe and listened to NPR. She was like wicked liberal. And what did you think about that? As you know, I'm already pretty liberal. I mean, I passed a resolution in our Model UN to allow members to bring their transgendered pets to our meetings. It was like a huge deal. Hmm. Do you think college will shift you more that way? Probably. I mean, that girl I stayed with made her environmental activism club, The Green Menace, sound pretty sweet. She had her own compost pile in the closet of her dorm room. It was pretty rank, but I totes respect her for doing it. Have you considered Harvard? Oh, totes. But I'm not sure my grades are quite good enough. 
Did you know that we just admitted Malia Obama? Oh, duh. I'm the one who told her to take a gap year before she goes to Harvard. She was all, I don't know if I'm ready. And so I was all, then just travel and stuff. And she was all, my dad might be mad if I take a year off. And I was all, tell Barry to chill. You totes need to travel. And she was all, where? And I was all, Europe or something. Very insightful. I know, right? I think she's going to teach English in Prague. I hear it's like stupid easy and you can kind of slack off. Her dad's super overprotective, though. It's like, relax. The Secret Service only buys her beer sometimes. Look at that. Even Democratic presidents' daughters are shifting to the left as they head to college. It's cray-cray. Indeed it is. Thank you both for the insights today. My pleasure. No prob. That was COK's Melissa Reynolds and Harvard University's Dr. Stephen Gordon. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Freddie Mercury, the late frontman for the legendary band Queen, died almost 25 years ago, but he's still regarded as one of the best rock singers ever. What was it that made him so great? A research team wanted to answer that question, so it looked into the science behind his voice. But another team looked at something else that Mercury had in his arsenal. Trevin Motley investigated in this installment of our music series, Consider the Sound. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide? Freddie Mercury is widely regarded as one of the finest rock and roll frontmen ever. His unique voice has been the subject of scientific studies, but it wasn't just his voice that set him apart from other singers. That mustache was amazing. Johann Pilkvist led a team that looked into the science behind what made Mercury's mustache so great. People always talk about his voice and the science behind why it sounded the way it did. Boring. The voice is important, yes, but nothing when you compare it to his lip sweater. Pilkvist says that the length, texture, and care of Mercury's mouth Merkin took him to the next level. If you look at the early Queen albums and songs before Freddie grew his push broom, you can hear a lovely voice. But it wasn't until after he embraced his signature kooky duster that he really became a superstar. That flavor saver unlocked his full potential. Um, how so? The science of his mustache is truly remarkable. Not only did it filter out toxins in the air that could affect his voice during live performances, it changed his vibrato. The neatly manicured caterpillar changed the frequency of his vibrato because the hairs would stand up on end and flutter as he sang. It's a testament to how well he cared for his snot mop. Had he not combed it several times a day and treated it with all natural oils and bombs, he might not have achieved true greatness. Plus, it looked super butch. So, you're saying that all his success is because of his mustache? You tell me. Listen to this early version of one of Queen's biggest hits. This was done while Freddie was without his womb broom. We are the champions, my friends. And we'll keep on fighting till the end. We are the champions, we are the champions, no time for losers, cause we are the champions of the world. Gross. Indeed. 
Now here's the version we all know, recorded a few weeks later after he had allowed his leaf foliage to grow in. We are the champions, my friends. And we'll keep on fighting till the end. We are the champions. We are the champions. No time for losers. We are the champions of the world. That's amazing. It's all in the stash. Well, I'm convinced. If only more singers would embrace the advantages of a well-kempt dirt squirrel. <laughs> Seems like a no-brainer. It also keeps your lip warm. The unique vocal stylings of Freddie Mercury and his amazing mustache are thankfully on display wherever Queen albums are sold. For Consider the Sound, I'm Trevin Motley. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you'd like more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit considerourknowledge.com for more news and stories. You can also follow us for breaking news and our campaign coverage, Consider the Vote 2016, on Twitter at Consider Our Know. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and at Stitcher Radio at Stitcher.com. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Marianne Wetzel, Jeremiah Knight, Natalie Thorpe, Hobart Willis, Spencer Cannon, and Libby Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. This was done while Freddie was without his womb broom. Womb broom. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just get it out real quick. Uh, I'm good.